0: If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. slash app. Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision.
1: Well, on a Tuesday these days, Greg Bonda from Christian Voice Australia joining us in New South Wales. There's finally a little bit of clarity on what the Parliament will look like in the Legislative Assembly and the Legislative Council. The new Premier, Chris Minns, his new elected Labor government uh, might only have a minority to work with in the lower house of the New South Wales Parliament. Greg Bondar, uh, leading Christian Voice Australia. Greg, welcome back to
0: 2020. Oh, good morning, Neil. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Uh, Greg, you're in Sydney. Uh, this is uh, your, yeah. home, your home field. Uh, what's the state of the election?
0: Well, Neil, I'm 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 pleased we're talking about this because, um, quite frankly, you know, New South Wales is actually the largest state in terms of uh, population, and um, and it it's fairly indicative of what is going to be happening, I think, in the next three to four years. Now we've got a Labor government in every state except uh, Tasmania, I think. The situation here, Neil, is that you know I wrote an article in the Spectator uh, a week before the election, and. um, where the headline was, you know, Christian voters looking for a home. So I'm just wondering, you know, um, how that was going to play out. Well, my predictions were pretty close, except for one particular party, which I'll mention in a minute. So what we've got here is that Chris Minns, the Premier, is unlikely to get uh, a majority in Parliament, with 45 seats, uh, he needs 47, so he's going to have to make it. A deal with the crossbenchers, and that could be a whole range of people, could be the Greens, could be uh, some of the other uh, independents. But the point I want to make, Neil, is that where did the Christian vote go? So let's have a look at the upper house in particular, Neil, because I think that's a real Um, a sort of eye-opener and and an indication of how the Christians are voting now. (laughs) Uh,
1: I think that's a very good focus. Uh, So particularly a focus on the upper house and what that crossbench might look like there. Uh, What are your thoughts here?
0: Yeah, Neil, look, this is interesting. You know, Neil, I never thought, look, I have to tell you, and I don't care because it might come out somewhere in in my history, but when I was at university, young 18-year-old, I actually tried marijuana once, Neil. Now, I'm, I'm admitting it up front, and it didn't do anything for me. You know, it did absolutely nothing for me. I, I've never smoked it since. I'm going back a long time. But, Neil, what has the world come to where we've now got in the upper house a party called Legalised Cannabis Party that's rating number five in the upper house in terms of upper house seats, you know, the Legislative Council... I cannot believe that people are voting for a drug-induced party that, that, you know, that, that is promoting a, a drugs is now actually going to get a seat in the Upper House in New South Wales, whereas you go down the list, and, 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 and the order is actually now going to be Labor, Liberal National, the Greens, number three, followed by One Nation, followed by legalist Cannabis, Legalised Cannabis, and then the Liberal Democrats. I never even thought that the legalised cannabis party would even have a showing. But, Neil, they received over 133,000 votes in New South Wales. I think that's a sad indictment in our society, now.
1: I think it is a sad indictment too. And uh, it often surprises me, Greg, uh, even Christian attitudes to cannabis. Uh, so the... Uh, mm. the legalised cannabis lobby has been so effective uh, that even Christians uh, can have a tendency to think that somehow or other this is a good thing. Uh, I think on balance it certainly is not. Hey, is there undecided seats still? Because uh, I know the count's been going yep. on. Uh, is there still even uh, a, an undecided possibility in that upper house?
0: Yeah, there is now. Look, what's happening, I can tell you this now, that uh, what we've got is, you know, as I said, Labour... Uh, Liberal, National, the Greens, One Nation, uh, legal can- legalised cannabis, and then the remaining four is going to be really interesting because you know you've got to get your quotas and it's too complicated now here to try and explain it. But basically, you need a quota to be elected. Now th- there are four that will decide who gets elected. Now it's going to look like that it'll be the legalised cannabis, shooters, fishers, and farmers. The Liberal Democrats with the fourth vote probably going to the Animal Justice Party. So that's going to be the makeup in terms of the upper house. Now, this is interesting, Neil, because how did Christians vote? Now, I know if you look at the list of the people in the upper house, there were people like the the um, Christian Democratic Party, which is now defunct, but it was Sylvana Nile and Fred was number, number two on the list. You had a, a lovely chap called Milan. Uh, who was also a member of the Christian Democratic Party. You had a guy called Milton Cain, who was also a member of the Christian Democratic Party. They stood as individuals. Unfortunately, they stood below the line. They, they polled very poorly, because I think that uh, a lot of the Christians went for the major party. So how did Christians vote, Neil? I suspect that they went to the major parties, being either One Nation, the Liberal Nationals, And indeed, Labor, because Chris Minns declared himself as a a devout Catholic, uh, so he must have had a fairly good following now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Hey, working in minority, uh, Chris Minns, this has got its challenges, hasn't it? Uh, Making it more difficult for Labor to pass their election commitments through Parliament. Uh, What do you think the make-up will uh, will mean for uh, the the, the Labor uh, promises and whether they can be delivered?
0: Yeah, now this is a real danger zone here because what's going to be happening here is now you're going to get people like Alex Greenidge, Independent, a lot of the Greens are going to be putting up bills to Parliament and they, will saying to, and they will be saying to Labor, hey, support us in our bills or we won't support you. And in particular here, I'm alluding to Alex Greenidge who wants to propose a bill for conversion therapy. Now, you know, Chris Min's made it perfectly clear that, oh, yes, you'll be able to pray outside these venues if they become, uh, you know, passed in legislation and what have you, but I suspect that, you know, the Labor Party will be under a lot of pressure to try and support a lot of these social, woke-type-driven bills, in particular conversion therapy, and there's going to be a couple of others to do with parental rights. So, Neil, we're in for a lot of trouble, I'm just hoping and praying that Chris Minns, as the Premier, will stand up and uh, maybe rely on some of the other cross uh, bench party members to support him rather than the Greens and Alex Greenwich and what have you now. (laughs) Uh,
1: Now, Mark Latham, uh, we were talking about him before the election and uh, as someone who is (laughs) in the upper house in New South Wales and friendly toward Christian ethics, Mm -hmm. um, he's deeply mired in some controversy over a very uh, controversial tweet uh, that he made uh, around Alex Greenwich, uh, who made a criticism of him and then he came back with a a double-down, even tougher criticism of Alex Greenwich. Mm. And I'll have to leave it to listeners to look and see what that tweet was. Uh, but uh, but Mark Latham and One Nation uh, on the crossbench in the uh, Legislative Council, uh, how does that look now, Mark? Mm. Uh, uh, Greg?
0: You look, yeah, look, I think Mark Latham, look, I have a, a lot of time for Mark. What he tweeted, you and I may not have tweeted the same message, but that's up to listeners to decide. But the point is I do have a lot of time for Mark. He has shown himself to be very um, uh, uh, friendly towards and supportive of our Christian values. It looks like that one nation could possibly get three and nil, so that would be good news from the point of view of the the major majority party being Labor, not having to kowtow to all the um, the Greens and Alex Greenwich and what have you. So if if Mark Latham... uh, against the third seat, that will be very good. But I must mention here, Neil, that, you know, it's, it's, it's so interesting how all the Pharisees and all the, you know, the media all of a sudden say, oh, this is a terrible tweet, you know. Look, Neil, the point is, while I don't agree with the wording of the tweet, why is it, Neil, that the truth is offensive? Israel Fala faced the same issue. He tweeted that if you will go to hell... Well, it's a fact, Neil, you will go to hell. Now, why is the truth offensive? And the other thing is if you don't believe in heaven or or, or if you don't believe in Christ, why would it be offensive to you if, if I said you went to hell? So same thing with Mark Latham's tweet, Neil. He was only saying the truth. So why is it offensive if that's what people actually do? So, Neil, I don't support the wording, but I do support the fact that he's been able to say it in the sense of freedom of speech. Again, Neil, we need to support politicians where uh, they are very um, uh, sort of supportive of our Christian values and thoughts. But again, uh, an unfortunate incident, and I think uh, Mark will have to sort of bear that that burden himself as he goes into uh, Parliament very shortly.
1: Well, no matter what you might think of the tweet, uh, he was obviously being deliberately controversial by mm. uh, by putting that out. It was mid morning. Some uh, were suggesting, oh, he must have been, you know, uh, uh, on the on the on the a few on the and uh, the <laughs> night before, but uh, but of course he was yeah. put, put that out mid morning. So people are saying, well, yep. deliberate controversy, yep. thumbing his nose at the PC yep. brigade. Uh, so. Mm. I think people have short memories on these things and they will be needing to negotiate with him on a whole lot of different levels. So he hasn't gone away anywhere like that. Hey, there's something else. uh, You're involved in this. Uh, You're the spearhead even for the Men's Summit 23, an event that's uh, coming up. And uh, in fact, tomorrow I've got a guest on who's going to be your keynote speaker. And we're going to be talking about men, but... Uh, you're a part of this. Going to be at the church in the marketplace, 400 Oxford Street in Bondi Junction. Um, the Men's Summit 23. Uh, give us your insight into what's so special about this one.
0: Yeah, thank you. Now, look, the the, the event is uh, for men only. Um and this is not being discriminatory, it is a men's summit. I did have a lady actually email me, can a woman attend? And I said, Oh, let me think about that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure how that would go down, but it'd be interesting. But look, the point is that it is on Event Bright. So if anybody wants to look it up, look up Men's Summit on EventBright. And the issue we have nearly, and you and I both know that men are not very open in their relationships, they're not very open in the fact of sharing their grief, they're not very open in sharing their challenges, whether it's family, wife, children, work, social. So this is a summit for men only, because most men are isolated, Neil. I don't care what you say, most men are isolated. Most men travel alone, and that's right where the enemy wants men to be. In other words, you know, they are under pressure from Satan, to do things that they normally wouldn't do. The sad fact, Neil, is that most men today have hundreds of acquaintances, but guess what? They don't really have really have friends in the sense where you can sit down and talk about your private personal issues. So this summit's it's all about, uh, you know, letting men know that, uh, you know, we're here for them and we've got some wonderful speakers because, you know, um, Neil, biblically it says that... Uh, Pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Now, Nell, that is such a great biblical quote because we as men need every support that we can from our fellow men, and in particular from a biblical perspective. Now, so I'm
1: looking at some of the topics that will be on the agenda, and you've got a great set of speakers for this. Um, you're talking Christian men and sport. Uh, There's a lot of questions around that. Uh, Where does sport fit into the lifestyle of a Christian man? Um, How boys become men? Uh, You'll be having some uh, speakers talking about new research, talking about what challenges lie ahead for the Christian man, and uh, men as fathers, husbands and sons. Uh, You're going to be one of the speakers too, Greg. What what sort of topic are you talking about?
0: Yeah, I'm actually going to talk about, uh, you know, husbands, fathers, and sons and uh, and and why is it that men are reluctant to share their experiences with sometimes even their wives now you know they 're very insular and men tend to be very uh, private uh, because you know what is a real man? A real man is somebody that you know doesn 't want to let people know their true feelings and their true thoughts well that 's a load of rubbish. A real man is somebody that listens to God, is able to express his grief, able to express his disappointment in life or whatever it might be. A man is somebody that's able to share his experiences. So I think it's most important that we look at that. The other speakers I've got, I've got wonderful Mark McCrindle, as you know, social researcher. He's going to give me some really good information on new data on men. Our keynote speaker from the USA, Dave Jusek, who he'll speak to tomorrow. Excellent person. Stephen Liggins is a wonderful reverend. He's our springboard here in New South Wales. I had a coffee with him not long ago, and he's going to be talking about the sporting life. Do you know, Neil, some of the greatest challenges men face is on the sporting field or watching sport because you know yourself, the language, the, 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 the attitude, what have you, comes out in some men in those particular instances. So it's very important that men understand. How sport, imp- imp- how sport impacts their daily lives. And then, of course, I've got a wonderful chap called Des Kennedy, whom you know I think is uh, uh, a good uh, uh, commentator on, on certain issues that men face. So, Neil, it's a wonderful program. But, you know, Neil, please acknowledge, and I know you do, but please acknowledge with the listeners that men need to come up. God wants his men back. And I think this is the purpose of the conference. It's a summit, and uh, we're looking forward to anyone in particular, boys, men, grandfathers, to come along and um, share a half a day with us at this um, particular summit.
1: And, you know, I'm really looking forward to uh, being able to open up some issues tomorrow with David Jusek. uh Rough yeah. Cut Men Ministries. He's uh, from the US. Uh, he's going to be your keynote speaker, and tomorrow we'll be talking about all sorts of issues around men. Now, this Men's Summit, uh, there'll be listeners who might want to go online, just uh, check out what's happening with that. Uh, They can register at Eventbrite, but there is a menssummit.com website that listeners can go to as well. But um, it's on 27th of April and 28th of April at the church. No, no. No? no.
0: Have I got that wrong? No. 20th of May, Neil. I'm sorry,
1: 20th of May. All right. So uh, (laughs) listeners, yep, you're just, (laughs) okay. So go (laughs) to the Eventbrite website. I think I might have uh, touched on something there that's not quite the right one. So... Uh, Eventbrite right. website, and uh, yes. it'll be on it. Uh, it's on in Bondi Junction in Sydney. So for listeners to yep. uh, to be able to follow that through, and no doubt there's probably a link there to it on your own blog site, christianvoiceaustralia.blog yep.
0: dot uh, Greg Correct. Bonda. Correct. If they go to if they go to that blog Neil, they'll be able to find it there. Yep.
1: Right. Well, Greg Bonda, uh, leading Christian Voice Australia. Greg, thanks so much for some great insights once again today on Twenty Twenty.
0: Thank you for the opportunity, Neil, and God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to
1: vision.org.au.